This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million, and this is a podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. Because let's be real, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And now it's time to get an artist's perspective, because Name Three Songs wouldn't be here without the music. Woo! Once again, we are back, giving Zach Sang a run for his money! Ayo! (laughs) Our favorite random bonus episode in your feed this week, and we have a really, really fun one today. I feel like these are all going to be fun, though, because, you know, we're giving them the name three songs mark of approval. We're talking about cool shit. (laughs) We're finding all of the artists that care about all the same things that we all care about, which is, like, the most important thing, and it's really fun, so we hope you guys are having fun with this, too. So, basically, if we have them on here to talk to them they're freaking dope they're cool they're on the same page with us and you guys need to go listen to them is what we're saying truly and today obviously is no exception we were talking to sissy rocket who is my new favorite human in the whole world um (laughs) we had such a dope conversation just about like learning everything that you could ever want to learn from somebody who has gone through all the trials and tribulations of being signed and then leaving a label and really just like getting to have the power over their own music that every artist deserves to have. And it's just really exciting to get to hear her perspective about the trials and tribulations of like her career as a punk pop star. Sizzy's originally from Las Vegas. She moved to New York to go to college. She was writing a lot of music and she ended up signing a publishing deal with Universal. And while she was there working with producers and songwriters and really honing in her craft, she also signed a record deal with an indie label in which she was able to put out some of her own music starting in 2016. And so Sizzy really has a lot of experience on the label side of things. She recently got out of these eight-year-long contracts with Universal. So she has a lot of experience to share with us about, you know, details of the music industry that we don't always know. And just to give you a picture of her work, she's written for artists like Blue to Tiger, Noah Cyrus, B. Miller, and she's also toured with the likes of Girly, Shamir, Kitten, and... If you love this episode and you love Sizzy as much as we do, you can go see her on tour at the beginning of July. She's doing a U.S. tour, so you can go see her IRL. As Jenna said, Sizzy is sharing so many things about what it's like being a signed artist, what it's like leaving your label, what it's like getting ownership of your music and literally every aspect of your music. And so she's sharing a lot with us about like questions that we've had in previous episodes, as well as just kind of being open about what it's like to be an independent artist in like this day and age when the internet is king and viral is king and like what that really means as an artist. And on top of all of that, Sizzy is also a gay artist and obviously there's a lot of stigma around that, especially around somebody who can sing more pop style music. And so we do get into that topic as well. We are turning over lots of stones today that we've previously not been able to turn over and I'm really excited for you guys to hear this conversation. 
So with all that being said, let's get into it. Hi, Sizzy. Welcome to Name Three Songs. We're so excited to have you here today. Hello. To start this off, we on this podcast talk a lot about how young artists kind of get the wool pulled over their eyes a lot by record labels, kind of promising them the world being like, okay, like you're going to be our number one focus. Like we think you're amazing. Like we're going to give you everything. Your career is like going to take off and not living up to those promises. And so when you Mm -hmm. were in your early twenties, you signed to a publishing deal and that led to you signing on to also be like recording artists. And then Mm -hmm. eight years after being trapped in one of those awful record deal situations, you finally came out the other side this past March, correct? Yes. Okay. I'm free. can, Can you, talk us through a little bit of like what it was like for you leaving behind a major label and why it was so important for you to get out of that contract yeah so I was actually signed to an indie label but Universal is a major publisher so just want to differentiate that I mean my experience was sort of I mean first of all I'm I'm really grateful that I had like the opportunity to develop my craft with Universal I will say that is the one thing that I took out of that situation like I got to work with so many amazing writers and producers who you know it's like I don't know if I would have met them otherwise yeah yeah for sure so I just want I just want to start by saying something positive and saying that I am grateful for the opportunity and I made the most of it but generally I felt unseen and and unheard in that company when I was signed there just because you know I was a young writer I I didn't really know exactly what I was sort of getting into and then all of a sudden I'm kind of just being like shuffled around to different rooms and you know pushed to like write a hit song when you know all I've ever wanted to do is like make my art and make a statement and build a legacy and and make something real that connects with people so I sort of got trapped in the game of like writing a hit song which is vicious and political and and you know you know it's it's a tough game. So yeah, that was sort of my general experience being signed to a major publisher. Mm. When you were approached to kind of like start that contract for publishing, did you have any inclination like that's how it would be? Like you'd be really be focusing on like writing those big hits? I mean, maybe this is naive to say, but no, like I was just a girl who like I'm from Las Vegas, which there's not really like a music scene there. Yeah. Yeah. No one in my family is is in music. So I was just a girl from Las Vegas who moved to New York. I was in college. I was booking my own shows. I was like set on being a punk rock star. And um, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I was like, I'm a punk rock star now. And I really had a vision that needed a lot of care and development. And I don't feel like I got that. You know, I and I wasn't being treated as an artist. I was being treated as a writer, which in the music industry, those two things are very different. Yeah, I feel like that's probably a common experience for like people who get into publishing who are like younger. Because this is what we talk about a lot in the podcast is, is like anytime anyone signs a contract when they're young and they don't have like the industry smarts from like their parents or like a good lawyer or somebody. Like mm-hmm. so often we see these record deals that like traps people or just are shitty deals. But I never thought about it from like the publishing side of like because I, I think even we talked about like Kesha on our podcast and how like Kesha had originally signed a publishing deal and it wasn't until later she music got picked up and so kind of like getting into the industry through like a slightly adjacent way Mm -hmm. and like not 100% realizing what that all entails 
Yeah, I feel like for some artists and for some writers, that can be a great way to break into the industry because, you know, you're meeting other writers and artists and producers and you're collabing with as many people as possible. But I feel like for me, like I could never get myself to chase the hit. Like I always just had a vision mm. and making music was always like a something like a raw expression for me. Yeah. And so it definitely felt like I was being pulled apart you know like the publisher like pushing me to write a hit which is you know a hit song is most always based on like a trend and then me wanting to like make the music that I wanted to make which was not trending at the time it's interesting so like Jenna mentioned we had done this episode kind of about like how in kind of 2010 to like 2014 we had like this weird era of pop music where you had like Lady Gaga Kesha and Katy Perry who were three very different but very camp like pop musicians mm-hmm. and it kind of felt like there should have been more room for other artists like that because the industry seemed to kind of be like seeing what was there fishing these people out who'd been like trying for a while and like giving them a chance and them having so much success mm-hmm. but at the same time it also felt like the industry was kind of fighting with itself being like oh but we still want to be this like hit making machine that puts things out on the radio even though the times we're changing mm-hmm. um, because like uh, like the example that I always come back to you with this is like there's this band called The Main who like exists kind of in like this warp tour bubble who got signed to I think it was Universal or Warner Brothers one of them and like they were pushed so hard to like create a pop hit song for that one album that they put out on a major label and like their music videos for that they were like plastered and makeup and it was just like this whole like very out of body situation for like them and their fans the point where they kind of like had their fans like crowdfunding for them to like make a secret album on the side so that they could do Mm -hmm. whatever they wanted because the label was like no we want hits and so it's just weird like this juxtaposition of like these three really camp pop stars and like everybody else that's showing up they're just like no make make the hits and people are like but what are hits anymore yeah yeah totally yeah I actually had a secret I released songs in secret to my fans too when I was like trapped in my deal (laughs) Um, (laughs) which is I mean yeah you gotta do what you gotta do like yeah I mean Gaga is one of my idols one of the things I love about her is like she made the system work for her you know like I feel like she outsmarted the system which is so inspiring to me I feel like also so many things have to like line up at the exact right time for artists to have like such a huge trajectory and like as much as we hate to say it the industry is so much about who you know and like being around the right people at the right time when it's like music as art is kind of like hitting on what you're saying before like music as art is so like personal and passionate and raw but then when you put capitalism on it it turns into the industry and it turns into something else Yeah, actually, I'm so glad you said that because like my whole thing right now is like music is the most sacred art form. Like it's so universal, like even babies like know when a song is good, you know, like they'll start dancing like it is so sacred. It's so timeless. And I hate that like in order to live off of your music, you have to like succumb to this like capitalist sort of broken system but I think there's a way that's what I'm fighting for is music music as art someone that comes to mind who kind of has also made the system work for themselves but in a very different way is Charlie XCX yeah I love Charlie 
I feel like she's been out here fighting for her life for like the past decade of like, to me, she's always been like the kind of underground pop star. Like she's had her moments in the spotlight, but then it never did like a Lady Gaga type trajectory. It was always like she had a moment and then she was more underground and she's always had this cult following. And it's like now, like 10 years into her career, she's like the biggest she's ever been. And it's Mm -hmm. really, I mean, cool to see how she's like built this whole community. And like, she's done so much, especially for like hyper pop as a genre and just being really like such a pioneer within that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, yeah, always got to just like keep going and her music is dope. So we love Charlie. Shout out Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing that's really badass and inspiring and just so cool about you is that you own a hundred percent of your masters as well as like the publishing to your songs, which is super rare and something that we've seen especially over the past like year or two like a lot of artists who have had similar situations to you of like getting trapped in a shitty deal like going to twitter to be like yeah i have no access to my masters obviously like taylor swift is a really big example of this but also like ray from the uk has talked a lot about her deal and how like they own her masters but also like she was always forced to kind of just do kind of like club hits kind of music and so for people who don't really understand can you kind of number one like explain what the difference is between like both owning your like your masters and your publishing but also like how you managed to come out the other side with those like and bring those with you when you left your label behind yeah so there's basically two sides to music ownership there's the master side um which is the recording like that specific recording of a song so like rihanna's love on the brain which is like one of my favorite songs ever it's like that specific recording that's on her album of that song is the master recording and usually well if you're signed to a label the label is going to own that recording if you're an independent artist then you know you'll own that recording and then the other side is the composition side so it's the song so like if the song is re-recorded or like used you know by another artist or something then that is the publishing side so there's the Mm -hmm. recording and then there's like the composition of the song Mm -hmm. and yeah I have full ownership of both for the first time in my career as of March of this year and I definitely fought for that like I was not supposed to get out of my universal deal you know I made all the money back that they invested in into me as a writer but which also like honestly just congrats on all this because it's (laughs) so hard for people to get out of these situations I know I mean I you know I was in an interesting situation too where I was sort of in a production deal under the publishing deal so I was signed to producers um specifically who developed me since I was like 19 and it was just a sticky situation like I was sort of treated like a product and you know I was sort of coming of age into my sexuality during this whole time and that was just sort of not treated with care I mean it was a rough situation so last year you know I basically just emailed Universal and detailed everything that I went through with these producers. And I was like, listen, thank you so much for these opportunities. But like, you got to let me out because like I need to move forward with my life. Like I can't be tied to these people anymore. Like I'm artistically, mentally just like so past it. And yeah, it was a lot of legal hashing out, but um, they let me go. So now every song that I write, you know, from here on out, I will own 100% of, which also means the new album, which is... I don't know that it's so special to me like this is my first album that I'll have full ownership of but yeah it was messy for sure I mean it always is like uh, dirt under my fingernails you know 
Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, going off of that with, like, you saying, like, now this new album, you know, it's going to be 100% your own, but I'm sure, like, it's also 100% your own creative liberty and passion and all yeah. of that. So I'm curious if you ever felt like when you were, because you mentioned, like, on the publishing side, they really wanted you to write hits, but, like, on the label side, did you ever feel like you were having to do things that didn't really align with what you were feeling? Oh, yeah. I mean, they wanted me to be, like, a pop star in the most typical sense of that word like I was being compared to Katy Perry a lot because this was also 2016 to 2018 and my song was called bestie and it was about like fucking your best friend and then there was like I kissed a girl so like you know label Mm -hmm. execs aren't really like the smartest crayons in the box or whatever so they were like oh it's like a, it's like a little Katy Perry and I felt super boxed in because like number one I'm gay So like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, my song is a little bit deeper than hers. And that was never sort of, I feel like that's such an important part of who I am as an artist and the music that I make. And that was never acknowledged by the label or respected. I just felt super boxed into that genre of like pop. When in reality, what I love to do is like combine, you know, like blend all of the different, the spectrum of, genres of music that I listen to and that I'm influenced by from Nina Simone to punk to you know I fuck with pop music but I don't think you could just straight up call me like a pop star and and that's that and we all make money and go home you know so yeah because I feel like there's a huge differentiation between like being kind of viewed by your fans as like oh like this is like my diva or whatever the case may be Mm -hmm. to the like pop star idea because the pop star idea like while it has been able to change a lot over the past like three years like really specifically like the past three years like it's been such a glass box Mm -hmm. for such a long time that like if you don't match like the certain vibe that they have like on their checklist where it's like okay like check like blonde check like boobs check whatever like (laughs) that's always like what they're focusing on but also labels kind of like to scandalize things that don't fit within that box because they're like oh we're being forward thinking by like having this person fitting into our pop star like category for our label or whatever the case is because they know like when we were doing research one of the interviews had quoted from like a press release for when Bestie came out and they had like said that you're bi-curious, which is just like the mm-hmm. fucking rudest thing to ever say about a person. I was so mad about just, that. Understandably, like I saw that and I just was like, like if it was like 2005, I could maybe let it slide because I'm like, okay, Marissa Cooper hasn't come out as bisexual in the OC yet. Like it's fine. <laughs> Nobody understands what being bisexual is. But like in 2016, like that's crazy to think that they would even not even just like ask you to be like, can you clarify like what your sexuality is so that when we're talking about the song, we can promote it properly. Yeah, no, that was actually a fight at the label. Like that was a day that was a day I remember where, you know, I was like, I wanna come out with the song. Like I'm I wanna come out and they were like, no. Like the word was ruin. Like you're gonna ruin your career. Which I'm glad that that didn't happen. <laughs> and and that now, you know, there's so many examples of like just out and proud gay artists. But like it's crazy also to think that in twenty sixteen we didn't have that. Like, there were no gay female artists that were coming up, you know? 
I feel like the past few years, but especially like since pandemic and since TikTok, it seems like there's been so much more conversation about like sexuality and gender and like a queer renaissance, if you will. And it's crazy because it's like it like it honestly, like looking back to 2016, like you're saying, like it feels like it, it really wasn't that long ago, but it's like we were just not having the same conversations that we're having now. Like there's words in our vocabulary and how we understand sexuality Mm. and how we understand gender and how you present yourself that like didn't even exist in our brains in 2016. So true. So true. I know. And I'm just thinking about like, I'm obsessed with Ethel Kane right now, this trans artist. And just like, you know, watching an artist like that come out and have this like splash of an album and just like be celebrated for who they are by you know kids in their early 20s that's how how old I was in 2016 like it's so beautiful it's so fulfilling to watch that and like be part of that like be an Ethel Kane fan and know like almost get to tell like myself my 23 year old self like see like they were wrong like you can be who you are absolutely yeah and I feel like that's just like so important because like you said like there was so little out and proud artists like at that time and because of that like so many kids are growing up without having people to really look up to and it's kind of that funny weird situation where you have kids now who like don't understand that just literally like six years ago being like obviously people are still hate crime I'm not saying that doesn't happen but like being gay was so much scarier yeah and so many teens and stuff who kind of came into their sexuality and stuff during these past kind of like six or seven ish years gay marriage has been legalized like a lot more things in liberal states are a lot more safe for queer people and so it's it's just this really interesting thing where like they have musicians to look up to they have all this stuff whereas like growing up being called gay was like the worst thing you could be called on like the school playground or whatever Mm -hmm. the case is and you don't have anybody to look up to because people are kind of like they're rumors and mean rumors about people being like possibly being gay and it's just like Mm -hmm. so crazy that that was happening not that long ago and that Mm -hmm. labels not that long ago were just being like oh a bi-curious anthem and it's like Mm -hmm. what what are you talking about yeah another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm -hmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Yeah, and just feeling like with with that instance specifically, it's like being overlooked because they wanted to see, you know, a hot female pop star. You know, it's like that's what they wanted. Um, yeah. And that's so hurtful. Like visibility and being seen as a queer person is so important. 
you know, just being like acknowledged for who you are. So yeah, I'm, I mean, yeah, I'm really happy with where the gay community is at with music right now. I mean, it's just so, it's just so fun. Like pride this year has been so fun in LA and just like, yeah, Christina Aguilera like came out at WeHo pride with like a dildo on. And I was like, that's where we're at. Like, yes, (laughs) like, let's go. So. I mean, Aunt Bolt's for real coming a long way since like Christina Aguilera, like 1999, totally different situation for probably like how she was treated and mm-hmm. same type of thing. Like, look how far we've come. Because the other thing that came to mind, like when you're just saying that is it you like you were saying like, no, you can't be gay as a pop star. It's like they're literally saying the worst thing you can do as a pop star is be gay because then you're not for men to ogle anymore. Yeah. And we can't have that because it like it just comes back to the fact that like pop stars are expected to be sexual beings and sexualize themselves or and like this is why this conversation is so complicated is because it's like we as women want to empower ourselves but like the patriarchy as it stands views women as objects so there's like this cross in the roads of like how do we balance these and I think it's even harder for pop stars honestly yeah I mean because I really enjoy being sexy like when I'm like in like sex mode like with what I'm wearing or like what I'm saying or like I actually made a sex tape like in 2020 for one of my music videos like that expression for me is for me like I really feel like you know comfortable in my skin when I'm just like putting it out there (laughs) but then you know it's like that you know gaze of like oh this has to be like for men like clicks in and then you're like wait wait no this is not for you this is for me like don't don't look at me this is not (laughs) you know that's what's so frustrating and again like this is a topic that we talk about ad nauseum because there is kind of like when it comes to that glass box that or that labels or just the world and the media puts like who they assume to be a pop star into it's kind of that like virgin whore dichotomy of like oh you can't be too sexy but like we also want to lust after you so like you have to be a little bit sexy but like if it's too far then oh no you're a slut and it's also that thing where men have like a hard time respecting women that they lust after mm-hmm. and it's like a whole psychological fucking issue that <laughs> we <laughs> looked into ad nauseum at this time at this point Jenna wow. and I are basically psychological psychology students <laughs> but it's just so frustrating when like you're saying like you feel comfortable in your skin and you want to be able to do that and like your fan base respects that and mm-hmm. they're like here for it and they might also be of like that same mindset and there are people of that mindset who just kind of view a body as a body and that's just what it is Mm -hmm. but then because specifically america is like such a patriarchal society where everything is like oh like a a boob for men and it's like (laughs) okay but other people also enjoy that too and like i could enjoy it myself or like whatever the case is and it makes everything so complicated because you can be viewing it and your typical audience can be viewing something as art. But then if other people get their hands on it, all of a sudden it's like something else. And this narrative is getting spun about an artist that like they never wanted or expected to happen. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I'm so grateful for my fans because they really do see me. They have throughout my career journey, you know, no matter how like unseen or you know underappreciated I felt by the industry like my fans have always seen me always appreciated me respected me supported you know my expression no matter how explicit it is to like you know the outer worlds they get it and so I'm just grateful 
for that because it's so powerful. Something that also made me think of is it's like all we can do as women is celebrate ourselves and empower ourselves whatever that looks like and if that's making a sex tape music video like that's for us and for the people who appreciate (laughs) us and for the people who respect us and like we can't control what how other people are gonna view that no matter what but we can't stop ourselves from doing that just because somebody might be disgusting about it and really it's like it's not our responsibility to like teach people like educate people to like not be shitty assholes who objectify everyone but like that's kind of what it comes down to is there has to be like a systemic educational thing for men to learn how to like not be (laughs) shitty assholes but like that's not necessarily our job and like if you're someone who wants to educate people that's great but you know what I mean it's like we can't stop doing what we want to do just because somebody's going to perceive it differently than how we intend right I agree. So I'm just thinking about that because I'm like, yeah, when I like made my sex tape, it was a really it was very empowering. It's almost like people I mean, scroll through the YouTube comments at your own discretion. But like it's almost (laughs) like people like wanted me to feel ashamed for that. You know, they like wanted me to feel ashamed and degraded. But I was like, no, actually, that was like one of the most empowering things I've ever done. And like, you know, they don't want to see powerful women they just like don't yeah absolutely (laughs) and if they're ashamed that's on them yeah like you don't need to carry that like that's literally all on them yeah i can't take it more about them than it does you yeah yeah mic drop (laughs) (laughs) i feel like that's also kind of the general public's misunderstanding of like the female gaze because we're so programmed on like the male gaze of like cinema and media and all this stuff of like we're taught what should be like should be viewed as sexy and what shouldn't be viewed as sexy and then like when women or just people who aren't just like cis white men like view things and like have emotions or attraction to certain things that like they don't think is normal because quote unquote normal is supposed to be like Britney Spears or like Chris Hemsworth or whatever the case is. Mm-hmm. As people have been growing and kind of like understanding, like becoming more media literate and just like literate of just the spectrum of brains. It's like the the female gaze has become such a bigger point of understanding the world. And it's one of those cool things where like a media trope that was used to kind of describe like cinema and that sort of stuff like has encapsulated like a worldview in a weird way because the male gaze is so specific and like so 2d whereas i feel like the female gaze is so much more three-dimensional and in you doing like a sex tape for a music video sort of situation like it's people misunderstanding how media is supposed to be taken because people are viewing sex as like this thing that Again, like women are supposed to be conquered by men and it's a very like black and white viewpoint of what sex is and how sex should be viewed. Whereas like so many people are realizing that that's not actually what how sex should be viewed or how art should be viewed because anything can be an art form if you do it in the right way and like aren't doing it in like the very 2D male gazy kind of way, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. No, sex is art. You just said art is anything. I'm like, I feel like that's a whole other podcast episode. (laughs) (laughs) Art is everything. Yeah, totally. 
So completely switching gears here to talk about some more music industry stuff as it crosses paths with the internet, specifically TikTok. Lately, we've seen just like a very big trend of artists going on TikTok to say things like, my record label won't let me put out this song unless it gets X many pre-saves or just my record label won't let me put out this song or until this goes viral or something like that. And like for some artists, that probably is a very real thing. Probably a lot of the artists who like got popular on TikTok then got signed. It's like, okay, well now prove yourself with your numbers on TikTok. But then we've seen artists like Halsey going on TikTok to do the same thing. And you know, after a while it kind of gets like, come on, like Halsey just posting that video period is a viral TikTok moment. So it's not the same for someone like Halsey as it is for an artist who's coming up who's like just starting in their career. But also labels have always used like marketing trends and numbers to tell artists, yes, you can release this or no, you can't. Like people have written whole albums that never saw the light of day because like they just felt like it wasn't right for the market at the time. So I'm curious if you have thoughts on like why we're seeing this trend right now, but specifically like why so many artists are like speaking up right now or slash complaining. Yeah, just in general, (laughs) like what are your thoughts? I mean, the reason why I hate it is because for me, at least, like the artist has the power like to the artist Mm -hmm. is the one that creates like makes music from nothing. Like, you know, the artist has the power. So posting a TikTok being like my label won't let me like is just completely like disempowering yourself like just completely which like that might be the truth but I don't know it's also a very smart marketing tactic you know so I don't know I'm not a fan of the trend I'm not really a fan of of TikTok like I'll post on there and I definitely you know when when I'm on there because also can't deny that it can be like a great tool you know to like find new listeners you know like with everything you know it's like you just got to figure out how to make it work for you so like when I'm on there I just want to like make hot videos you know like post my art like find my people I'm not really interested in like degrading myself or like taking away my own power on there you know so I'm like I don't know I don't understand why that's a trend yeah Because, like, the icky feeling I always get when I see those videos is, number one, it kind of feels a bit demoralizing, I think, especially when you've seen so many artists, like, kind of go from their bedroom to success by using the app, like Ty Verdes or other artists in that kind of vein. It can be a bit weird to see somebody come on who maybe not isn't, like, a big name artist, but, like, has a following, goes on tour, like, is a full-time musician going on and kind of insinuating that like the head of the label that they're signed to is like standing in the corner with a gun being like post this video and get viral views or else we will never put this song out when like a lot of the time like even even sometimes like when the fans do literally everything that the artist is asking for sometimes the artist doesn't even put out that song because the whole plan was to just get kind of viral recognition of you by being like look at this whole thing that they're doing and it's like you said it feels kind of like demoralizing of the artist and like to watch it like it feels like they're cheapening their art by kind of like selling it in that way because obviously like we've already talked about like the music industry is very is a capitalist empire and like they're using music which is art as capital you can drive yourself crazy like thinking about that for too long but (laughs) like 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 jenna said it's like labels and stuff have been using numbers and marketing tactics forever 
But the vulnerability thing of TikTok, I feel like artists are kind of using that against the public also in a weird way because they're trying they're to make people bad it. for them. Yeah, like, it's like, it's like this crazy. whole, there's like so many levels to it. Yeah. And it's so frustrating because you're watching an artist you respect kind of seem like they have no power when like mm-hmm. all you think about them is like as them being a powerful person. And then there's just like so many levels and it's so, it's like, ah. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. No, I actually have a post-it that I'm looking at right now. It says, wow, shock, inspire. And I'm like, if it doesn't give me any of those emotions or feelings then like I'm not posting it yeah you know like for me I don't know what what goes through like other artists heads when they post TikToks you know I'm like every artist is just so wildly different too like but for me like I want to inspire I want to like I I always say reach through the screen and just make you go like whoa like that's crazy or like wow look at her like you know and just like walk away from like anytime you encounter like sizzy rocket whether it's like on TikTok or like IRL like just being like whoa like I'm inspired and like yeah talking about how little power you have over your art like that's not something I can ever picture myself doing with that being said I feel like also it doesn't help the whole public's obsession with the industry plant conversation when you have these (laughs) when you have the artists coming on and doing these things that start to feel very like is this a scripted tv show or like what's happening yeah I mean I've been called an industry plant on tiktok which is hilarious um (laughs) so funny yeah so So cute so funny but yeah I think it's just because I don't know I think people are craving authenticity from music right now because we're not really getting it like you know like I feel like that's the whole industry plant thing it's like you're an industry plant and like dot 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 what we're not finishing is like and I want something real and this isn't real. Like, I feel like people just mm-hmm. want realness and like appreciate realness and can tell the difference. Like, that's the other thing like about TikTok and like where the industry is at. It's like shit is transparent. Like people know when you're not being real and we need to like give them that credit, you know? So I don't know if this is just my perception or if other people feel this way but I feel like what you're talking about with like authenticity is like that's always been what people really want and like with the rise of social media like that became even more apparent but now with the rise of TikTok it's almost like we've moved past the conversation of authenticity to like an online avatar caricature of yourself where nothing Mm -hmm. is actually real anymore and nothing is actually authentic anymore and I don't mean it in the like online is what you choose to put online I mean it in the like people are taking things like this this trends that we're talking about like people are taking things a step too far when it's like oh look at me I'm the victim when it's like it's not really like I don't know it's just like this weird twisted like I feel like we're in an alternate reality right now (laughs) we are back to the music industries it's almost like my perspective is that right now popular music is really popular but like I I don't know if it's just me like not having been immersed in that like quote-unquote indie alternative scene in a while because like when I was like a few years ago in high school and college like that was everything I listened to. Like I was, I did not listen to like top 40 or anything, but now my perception is like changed into listening to paying attention to pop culture a lot more. And I'm wondering if like, 
I don't know, just like a lot of the conversations that we see online with even someone like Olivia Rodrigo being called an industry plant and like Harry Styles being extremely popular. It's like extremely popular people are extremely popular, but like, is that all we're paying attention to? Because that's not like, if you want authenticity, like that's not the place to look. Like the industry isn't feeding us authenticity, which is like basically what we proved for this whole conversation from the very beginning of them always trying to control what artists do. It's like, if you want that authenticity, don't listen to Top 40 Radio. Like go find people, go find Sizzy Rock and like find your community you know what I mean yeah I mean yeah it takes a lot to find new music though I mean I'm always on the prowl but like I feel like people generally accept the thing that is put in front of them Uh, you know the pop culture audience I mean you know I would hope that that's like I don't know it seems like we're all pretty like addicted to our screens and just sort of like accept what's there but I feel like we're all sick of being addicted to our screens and like want something real so it's like I don't know I I still somehow remain like hopeful that there's gonna be a wave of just like real art for art's sake like just incredible music and art you know coming out in the next like 10 years as like a response to like this sort of like fakeness that we're experiencing right now yeah honestly yeah and I feel like a lot of it like a lot of what I was trying to just explain is like the the group the hive mentality of like we're too online like we're too fucking online and I'm tired of being online and I don't want to be online anymore I might just delete all my social accounts like maybe (laughs) but also like something that's really cool with like what you're you're talking about like the post-it note on your wall it's like Mm -hmm. that's so important as an artist to like know who you are and like what you care about and what you want to put out there because like Sarah's point earlier about like TikTok cheapening your art like what you're communicating on TikTok like is also an extension of your brand is an extension of you as an artist and it's like if you're just putting out meme content and like my record label won't let me do what I want it's like what is that really saying about you as an artist not a whole lot yeah yeah I just I personally wouldn't engage with that tactic <laughs> but <Yeah>. um <laughs> But I don't know. I feel like maybe sometimes the intention is to like, you know, because fans will fight for you. Like my fans will fight for me. But I also want to be really careful and mindful of them when I ask them to do something. You know, like when I rile an emotion out of them, it's very intentional and positive and not like I never want my fans to feel bad for me. You know, like that's really important to me. I always want them to be inspired and proud and just like I'm a Sizzy fan, like I'll rep till I die. And I don't think that can be accomplished by like, yeah, victimizing yourself. Yeah, TikTok just like turned everything upside down, didn't it? (laughs) Yeah, because, like, I feel like everything started kind of slowly going upside down with, like, the Instagram stories and people being like, oh, I need to be, like, a real self, but also that real self still being a persona. But, and there's, like, a huge difference between having an artist name and, like, like an idea of, like, who you are when you're making your art and, like, having this persona. Because another thing we talk about a lot is, like, how nobody knows who Harry Styles really is and Mm. how he's, like, slowly kind of, like, letting us see who he is as a human. But also, like, people have just created this parasocial idea of him that's, like, probably not real. And it's really interesting because I feel like on TikTok, like, the people who get really successful are the people who are very authentic but at the same time it's like how can you ever be 100% authentic on the internet like it's all a whole thing I get like lots of double-edged swords going on in this conversation yeah that's deep (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm like, wait, who am I? <laughs> I know. It's like an existential crisis every day. But like what you're saying about your fans, like I feel like that's so important and something that a lot of artists forget because even like Halsey, as an example, since we already mentioned her, like her whole thing has always been like her relationship with her fans and like always tweeting at them and like quote tweeting them and that whole thing. And I guess for me, like somebody who has been a Halsey fan for such a long time, seeing her go on TikTok and do that kind of trend and kind of like it felt number one, a little bit like she was making fun of other people. Like at first I was like, is she just making fun of like these poor kids who like have managers telling them like, no, you need pre-saves or else when like the manager's like some dude they met at a gas station or whatever. But like with Halsey going and doing that, it felt like really weird because I'm just like, my idea of Halsey has always been like this strong woman who talks about like how she's had like a miscarriage on stage and never tried to make her fans feel bad for her. Mm -hmm. And watching her go on TikTok to have their fans feel bad about them was like such an out of body experience. Like you were saying, like you always want your fans to be proud of repping you Mm -hmm. and in that moment I was just like Halsey what is happening I've never felt bad for you once because you've told me you're strong and now this like it was so weird yeah I'm sorry you felt that way I mean Halsey is my bitch though I have nothing bad to say about her oh I love her Um, I was just like what are you doing (laughs) I know I mean I will say I do okay here's the thing though I do understand like if it's genuine like and this is not specifically about Halsey but if it's genuine like if you are genuinely being held down by your label like yeah it's extremely painful like it's extremely Mm -hmm. frustrating I had like several full mental breakdowns not on TikTok (laughs) because I never posted it or I can't even record myself crying because it's too ridiculous but like just about feeling trapped like I can't like I can't release my you know like that's a really painful feeling so like I do have like compassion for those artists for sure yeah I mean you do what you got to do you know yeah I think that that's also the point of it's like knowing how many artists are truly trapped in a label and truly just like being stopped from doing anything and seeing these artists who you know that song's going to come out in a month doing these things I feel like that's also what really irks me with it because I'm like There are so many artists who got signed, got promised the world, and it just blew up in their face. And to see, like, that kind of be, like, using that, like, label trapment thing as a trend, I think is just really what, like, has set me off about it and made me just be like, "Mm, what? What are you doing? Like, there's people, your peers are really going through this right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping that we're going to look back at this era of music and be like, well, that was interesting. (laughs) You know, what an interesting point in history for pop music. Like, whoa, that took a weird turn. I know. I hope hope we're not. I hope we're not in this for very much longer, but we probably will be. Well, Um, yeah, I look back at like 2010 to like 2011 and like somewhat 2012. Like there were very few artists who were like actually making good music and like Rihanna probably being one of them. But there was a lot of really bad pop music that came out in that era, like just genuinely like trying so hard and just not good pop music. And I'm like, I hope we can look back and be like, wow, that was like you said, that was weird. But also to your point that you kind of made earlier about trends in music, it's like now TikTok is pushing the trends of what popular music sounds like and what a hook sounds like. So yeah, I'm like, not for me. Yeah. 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 That must be so nice, though. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's pros and cons to being independent and being on a major label. 
I guess. Yeah, it's it's really hard to like fight through the noise sometimes sometimes of TikTok and like going viral. But yeah, I enjoy my freedom. I mean, if I wasn't making music, I would die. So I'm like, that's why I make music. You know, if it ha- if it goes viral, like if I come up with like a concept for a single rollout and it connects with people and it goes viral, then like great work. But if not, then it's still a freaking amazing song you know like i don't really judge my my work based off of the numerical success yeah i feel like that's super important and like something that other artists should at least feel comfortable doing because i i mean like obviously people want to succeed but i feel like if you have that fan base and you have people caring about what you're doing that's just like the main thing that's really important right oh yeah a thousand percent yeah i mean that's what that's what music is for to me it's like it's about that connection with my fans so yeah yeah i'm kind of going through this thing right now where i just spent two years on my new album and it's like well you know if it if it has a viral moment great if not like you know two years is a really long time to work on music and sometimes it takes that long to make like a complete vision you know like sometimes you don't write a song and it goes viral that day and all of a sudden you have all this success like you know damn it takes time like I think that's something that's being overlooked as well right now like being a great artist like takes a lot of time (laughs) and you know you're sometimes you're not just gonna go viral overnight well I think the other thing that like honestly TikTok has made probably a lot of people lose sight of is like think of what we had before tiktok even before tiktok like before songs going viral on tiktok there was still like it was was the equivalent of that was probably like oh if you have a radio hit like you're writing a pop song that like if it's a radio hit then it's like really popular something like that Mm -hmm. and it's like how many sarah i'm just thinking about like the main and like how many bands we listened to growing up like the 1975 comes to mind of it's like they might have a radio hit but like that's not like that viral quote unquote viral moment isn't sustainable. Like that doesn't equate like long-term supported success. And then like how many artists exist that have had huge careers, like huge careers and never had a viral moment. Mm -hmm. And like something else that comes to mind is like the Kate Bush, like running up that hill, which like Mm -hmm. obviously having kind of a viral moment right now, but it came about through stranger things. But it's like, that is such an incredible song that like, honestly, a lot of the people who it's reaching now, like didn't, live through that time like we didn't get to experience that firsthand but like you sit down and listen to that song and it's it's like moving Mm -hmm. like it's so impactful and it's like you can't fake that like that you can't fake that in a viral hit Mm -hmm. like that's true 100% authentic artistry yeah no a timeless song is a timeless song period Mm -hmm. you know and I, I do think about that when I'm in the studio like I want this music to be as good when I'm like 80 years old and like looking back on my discography and I can just say like, wow, like my shit is timeless. Like that is really important to me because, you know, then it'll, yeah, it'll connect its generation, you know, it'll connect with generations after generations. Like it doesn't need to follow a trend. I love Kate Bush. (laughs) I think it bodes well that like people that like, obviously Kate Bush has stood the test of time with, a fellow weirdo is whatever you want to call it, you know? Mm-hmm. But the fact that, like, all these people who have gotten so used to being fed, like, 60-second clips of things or these, like, very viral 15-second clips of songs for the song to come out and the song to be trash to be genuinely 
appreciating Kate Bush is incredible and I feel like bodes well for artists like you who genuinely are creating art Mm -hmm. because it's like oh okay like these viral moments are going to be a flash in a pan Mm -hmm. like Kate Bush lives forever Mm -hmm. yeah the test of time is so true yeah and yeah I mean I guess this is just reiterating what you said Sarah but it's cool to see that it's having that impact because Sissy to your point earlier it's like maybe we're gonna see the tables turn in a few years here and like people really connecting with this much more timeless much more real music yeah I'm hopeful so I do have just like one final question outside of like the TikTok realm just because this was something that really stuck out to me so in an interview that you did last year with Hude which I think is an online publication you talked about how like when you were young you saw a tabloid cover discussing the rumors of like Alicia Keys possibly being gay and how being gay was like conveyed as a negative thing kind of like we talked about earlier and so that made you like scared to talk about your personal queerness and how it might affect your career and like you said again like earlier like your label kind of being like you can't come out because that will stop your career in your tracks but so just to focus in on that kind of theme and stuff like how do you think that like the lack of queer female representation in not just pop music but like music in general like that was on the radio when you were growing up like affected like your mindset going into your career and your music making and like if you really because I feel like from like looking at your discography and like looking at your music like even though your label was like don't talk about your feelings towards women you kind of did it anyway Mm -hmm. so I'm just like (laughs) I'm just curious how you went about including your queerness into your music and your career when your label's kind of pushing back against that yeah I I knew I was gay when I was like 15 because that's when I had my first girlfriend and when I saw that Alicia Keys thing I was kind of like oh no (laughs) like oh no like I'm gonna have to keep this a secret if I you know want to be in music and that yeah created a lot of fear around like expressing my sexuality but then later you know fast forward now I'm in New York like signed to a label I have the opportunity like I was like I'm just gonna take this opportunity and like be who I am because for me there's no other option I have to be who I am honest and true in every moment of my artist career otherwise like what's the point of being an artist so so yeah I mean growing up there weren't a lot of examples like I remember Melissa Etheridge performing at the Grammys too and it was like you know even in my house it was like you know like there was always like that like hush hush thing about it but yeah as soon as I had the opportunity I was like I'm I gotta say I got to say how I feel (laughs) and I don't regret it. You know, I don't think that's ever something that is regrettable. So I think that that's really important and like such a good message to put out there because there are so many people who struggle with that, whether that be from their family or just like not having access to the right artists or people or whatever the case is of feeling like it's shameful or bad But like when artists come out and are just proud of like who they are, it's so important and so necessary. And so, yeah, I just think that it's really incredible that like even throughout people who were supposed to be on your side saying no, you were just like, well, this is how I feel. So I don't know how to do anything else. Thank you. I mean, that's like punk to me. Like that's what punk is. That's what that's why like punk is so important to me. Like it's not just this like I'm a rock star I do what I want you know like it 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 is that but it's also about like that like I will be who I am like in the face of whoever like I don't care if you're a record exec like I don't care who you are this is who I am like that is the epitome of punk so yeah I was dead dead set on it I'm like I still am so (laughs) 
so so yeah fuck the system <laughs> love it <Heck> yeah. <laughs> love it well that's a lovely note to end on to listening. bring some more punk into your life that's what we all need yes. Just fuck the system fuck the system <laughs> And Sizzy, thank you so much for joining today. This has been a wonderful conversation. We're really glad to have you on. Yes, thank you so much. Anytime. And for anyone listening who wants to find out more about Sizzy, follow on the social or listen. We will have the links in the description below. I can't believe we all like actually have answers to like what it means to own your masters and like being trapped in the label. Like somebody yeah. told us everything we wanted to know. We got all the gossip. <laughs> all the hot goss. <laughs> So now the more we do these, the more we'll have answers and the less that people online can be like, this is how the industry works when they don't know anything. And we can be like, well, actually go to this episode of our podcast and you will learn the truth of how all of this works. Like now we just need to find some, we need to interview somebody who like has had to deal with everybody all the time being like, you're only famous because your dad's famous. And then we can, like, <laughs> find out what that's like. Send industry plants our way. Alleged, <laughs> alleged industry plants. Send nepotism babies our way, please. We need answers. But for real, Sizzy is so cool, and I love her. And I think you all should love her now, too. Yeah, truly. I feel like, uh, once again, we've found another artist that really encapsulates what Name Three Songs is all about. Um, some really awesome music. And she's literally on tour, like, right now. So go check out her website. And you maybe be, could be able to, like, get a ticket. <laughs> so that'd be yes. cool. Go. Tell her we sent you. Yes. <laughs> and then go say hi at the show. <laughs> and tell her how cool she is because you heard her on Name Their Songs. <laughs> That's what we got to do. Uh, truly, though. Like, important business. But, I mean, it's always really cool talking to people who are so open and just, like, creators of music who are just such big fans of music because they feel like again we created this podcast because we're just like music fans who want things to be righted and it's nice when there are artists who are just music fans who want things to be righted which is just like really really nice when we can like all come together with the same goals absolutely absolutely we're here for it and we're here to do this more and more and more on name three songs so thank you it's guys very- for being along with the journey with us Yes, it's very exciting times and we're pumped to see where these interviews take us in the future and what other answers we can get for y'all from artists. So if you have any big questions or conspiracies about the music industry you want answered, just let us know. We'll find an artist to give us the answers because that's been a really good time. So thanks for joining us during this incredible interview on Name Three Songs. And until next time, don't let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band. And remember, you're never too cool to listen to Sizzy Rocket. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. And remember, you can learn more about Suzy Rocket by heading over to namefreesongs.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.